Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you back for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The calving process can be long. At what point should you step in to help? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. With the current state of corn prices, Texas High Plains cattle might be spending a little more time on pasture. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Corn and grain sorghum planting are in full swing in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shai McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is now accepting nominations from Texas lamb producers who may be interested in serving on the 2022 American Lamb Board. The 13-member board directs research information and promotion programs for American lamb. There are vacancies on the board for a producer with 101 to 500 lambs, another for a producer with more than 500 lambs, and another seat for a feeder with more than 5,000 lambs. Interested producers and feeders must be nominated by a qualifying organization like Texas Farm Bureau. Additional information is available on the USDA AMS website and on lambresourcecenter.com. That's lambresourcecenter.com. The deadline to submit a nomination is April 11th. The weather is very unpredictable here in Texas, as evidenced by yet another cold blast with blizzard-like conditions this week in the Panhandle. Meanwhile, down in the Rio Grande Valley, Mike Kelly is trying to recover from winter storm Uri. He grows leafy greens, watermelons, onions, and row crops in the Edinburgh area. You know, we were on the tail end of our leafy greens, so we lost all our Swiss chard. We had um, dandelion that was affected, cilantro that was affected, so... We should be finishing up harvesting greens right now. I guess the the freeze went ahead and harvested it for us with no return, of course. So we lost all our watermelons, all our honeydews, all our corn, all our milo. Helly says when you combine winter storm Uri with last year's Hurricane Hannah, it has been a devastating one-two punch for farmers in the Rio Grande Valley. You know, it started off this summer with Hurricane Hannah, watching a cotton crop and different things fall to the ground and not harvesting a crop. And then to see this, it's pretty tough. You know, it, it really puts everything into perspective. You know, you, me growing up, I've always heard about the 89 freeze, the 83 freeze, and what it did to the citrus and vegetables. And, and uh, you know, I've read up on it and stuff like that. But those, those, those kind of storms hit in, in December, and that's when winter crops are, are planted. You know, most winter crops can survive some of that. But, you know, we were going into spring, and, and that's... We were putting spring crops in, and when we come get a winter storm like that, those crops don't hold up. That's Valley Farmer Mike Helley near Edinburgh. 
Several factors can cause calving difficulty in cows, so how do you know when to intervene? Jessica Domel has the answer. Spring calving season is well underway, and if one of your cows seems to be struggling in labor, there comes a point when human intervention may be necessary. Dr. Ron Gill, professor, livestock specialist, and associate department head for Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, says you don't want to rush the calving process because you can't hurt the cow and or calf. When you see the placental membrane break, what we call the water break, in about two hours, that calf ought to be out of there. If she's not making progress, and that's the other thing, you, you know, when you find them, kind of make a note of where the feet is, where the nose is. And as long as they're making progress, I don't know that I'd intervene. But when you see that progress stop and they are really trying and they're laying down and straining and having contractions and nothing's happening, then I'd go ahead and pull it. If you wait too long on those calves, sometimes the heifers wore out. Calf may have oxygen supply cut off to the umbilical cord and actually die in utero. So waiting too long is probably worse than rushing it, but you just have to watch it and see how things are progressing. But after about two hours, the calf should be out. Dr. Gill says in some situations, a veterinarian may be required. And if a cow's in labor, not making progress, you've tried to pull it and it doesn't work, then call a vet. Don't just keep trying the same thing over and over. One, you're going to injure the heifer or cow, and then you're probably going to cause some trauma to it. The veterinarians are much better at knowing when to quit pulling and when to do a C-section. Nobody wants to do a C-section on a cow, but sometimes it's about the only option to save the cow and, and perhaps the calf. To me, if I've made an effort or I, I've stick my hand in a cow and I realize there's no way that calf is going to come through that small opening, I'll try to load her up and take her to the vet clinic right then. And that way, if we have issues, we're at the clinic, they can help and they've got all the equipment there. I'd much rather haul one into the clinic than I would have the vet come out, but that's not always, not always an option. But once again, you've got to learn what's normal. And if you run across one that may be backwards, doesn't have either feet, you know, the feet not up on the pelvis, nothing but a tail sticking out, those kind of things, you probably ought to just call the vet and get them to come work on it or take it in. That's Dr. Ron Gill from Texas A&M University and AgriLife Extension. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas High Plains cattle might be spending more time on pasture this year thanks to the recent run-up in corn prices. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. When it comes to the cash price of fed cattle, it's been a while since there's been any significant movement. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, James, because we've been stuck on this 114 range probably going into our fifth, sixth, seventh week, probably. That's Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association, who says that $114 per hundredweight fed cattle price is resulting in about a $50 a head loss on a cash basis. Profit and loss outcomes for individual feed yards will vary, of course, depending on how they purchase and market their cattle. Nevertheless, all cattle feeders continue to feel the strain of high corn prices. Miller says the cost of gain is averaging about $1.05 a pound, roughly 25 to 30 cents higher than it was just a few months ago. For cattle that are being placed today, those cost of gains are going to tick up just slightly. If you look at the corn futures, it has held strong, 
had some pretty solid moves on a daily basis, but it seems to be staying right around this 550 range. So your cost of gain is going to be probably just a tick over a buck. Miller says with recent rains and snows greening up pastures, a possible counter move for cattle producers facing high corn cost is letting cattle continue grazing a little longer. One of the ways to offset these high prices is to figure out how to back these animals up and when I say back them up, keep them out of the feed yard longer and they'll spend less time in the feed yard because of the high corn and grain prices. Although current inventories in area feed yards are pretty high, Miller says another drop in placements for the Texas-Oklahoma-New Mexico TCFA membership area is expected when the new cattle on feed report is issued on Friday. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn and sorghum planting are in full swing in central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from Waco. As we are well into the month of March, corn planting is in full gear here in central Texas. Our soil temperatures were much higher than people realized when we came out of that great freeze event. Soil temperatures quickly reached 59 to 60 degrees, and when field moisture conditions allowed equipment to enter the fields, corn planting began. We will have about 60,000 acres of corn planted in McLennan County. The timeline, and they want to get that done, uh, our goal will be probably March 15th, and that's a reachable goal. They do have to skip a few wet spots right now, but uh, they'll get back into those areas as quick as they can. Most areas are plantable right now, just a few wet spots. As soon as farmers are finished planting corn, then they'll switch over to grain sorghum. Those 12 to 13,000 acres of grain sorghum will be planted in a fairly uh, rapid pace, and they'll finish out the spring planting for corn and grain sorghum uh, middle to end to kind of the end of March. Uh, by the third week in March, we'd like to have all of that done. Wheat farmers in Central Texas were not expecting the spider mites and aphid explosion that we've seen, as well as our in our oat fields. Insects that hibernated through the cold weather came out with a vengeance uh, once we had some sunshine. Ag producers are already busy planting, but now they have another task that's fairly timely they need to get on uh, to spray all those small grain fields for those high insect populations. It's feast or famine in Central Texas. I always say it's dust or mud. It's never normal. Ag producers here in Central Texas seem to be always fighting some extreme environmental challenge to grow crops here. Wheat did come out of that freeze looking much better than we expected. Some fields did have some damage, but some potential loss, but most plants are putting on more tillers, and uh, yield will, will be recovered from that somewhat. We feel that we're damaged, had multiple things happen in those specific locations. Uh, plant date, variety, elevation of the field, dry versus wet freeze, growth stage, etc. And oats kind of was in the same boat. Oats was damaged more than wheat, and our oat fields did, did suffer a little bit more, especially those lush fields. But a lot of our oats are growing out of that. It kind of depends on that specific location of what happened. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Time is running out to weigh in on proposed changes to state fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And every beef herd seems to have at least one crazy cow. So should you keep her or get rid of her? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Each year, National Ag Day celebrates the important contributions of our country's farms and farm families. Join the Agriculture Council of America and our esteemed industry partners on March 23rd as we thank America's farmers for all they provide to our nation and the world. Food brings everyone to the table. Thanks to American Ag. 
Learn more about Ag Day and the events for March 23rd at agday.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're in the cattle business, I know you have had more than your share of crazy cows. Every herd's got at least one. So here's the question. If she throws a calf every year, should you keep her or go ahead and get rid of her? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. There have been multiple studies looking at temperament of the cows and profitability. The fall is the time you typically look at spring calving beef herds to determine which cows to keep and which cows to cull and temperament should be one of the characteristics involved in that decision. University of Florida scientists recorded disposition scores over two years on almost 400 crossbred cows and evaluated the probability of becoming pregnant in the 90-day natural breeding season. The cows were scored on a scale from calm to violent in the working chute and how fast they exited the chute. Also, cortisol levels were checked as cortisol is a hormone that is increased when cows are stressed or excited, and increased cortisol has been shown to decrease the possibility of pregnancy. Cows with high levels of cortisol have decreased reproductive function. Mississippi State also performed a study similar to the one at Florida, but using feeder calves and found that as aggression and excitement increased, the cost of treating these calves for health conditions increased. Average daily gain and their weight decreased. Excitable animals also have been shown to have a reduced response to vaccinations, and as excitability increased, profit per head decreased, and it was a significant decrease. The calmest calves had a profit per head of $121, while the most excitable calves had a profit per head of only $80, or a decrease of 30%. Behavior is somewhat heritable, so selecting against wild cattle will eventually result in a calmer herd and increased profit. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out to weigh in on proposed changes to Texas fishing regulations. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is accepting public comment on proposed changes to statewide salt and freshwater fishing regulations for 2021 and 2022. The proposed changes for saltwater fishing include allowing the recreation-only use of crab traps on docks and piers in some currently restricted areas of Aransas County. The changes would also clarify red snapper bag limits when fishing in Texas and federal waters. Changes to the length and bag limits for blue and channel catfish highlight this year's proposed changes to freshwater fishing regulations. Current rules for blue and channel catfish are 12-inch minimum length with a 25-fish daily bag limit for both species combined. Proposed changes would remove the minimum length for both while retaining the 25-fish bag limit. However, of the 25 blue or channel cat that may be caught per day, anglers would be limited to harvesting no more than 10 fish that are 20 inches long or longer. There are two proposed exceptions to the statewide regulation for blue and channel cat in the proposal. Details on those locations are available on the TPWD website. The department also proposed changes to standardized descriptions for float dimensions for some passive gears. Also, the width of a float for minnow traps would be corrected. Current regulations incorrectly listed as a 6-inch width, but it should be 3, according to the department. 
TPWD is accepting public comment on these proposed changes and on the proposed changes to hunting regulations until March 24th. To comment, go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click on the link that says public comment. Again, the deadline to comment is Wednesday, March 24th. That website is tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market started out higher on Thursday but could not hang on to those gains. We ended up closing sharply lower across the board in live and feeder cattle futures. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, we started out the day with higher prices in the cattle complex, but we could not hold on to them. We saw a general overall meltdown in the commodity markets across the board on Thursday. Lower prices for cattle, cotton, grains, and energies. We'll start with the cattle complex, where we had lower prices for live cattle. April down 85 cents at 118.57. June down 237 at 119.65. August live cattle dropped 265 to close at 119.02. Same story in feeder cattle where March feeders were down $1.40, 135.52. April feeder cattle down 322, 141.42. The May down 355 to close at 146.62. Cash-fed cattle market, however, did see higher money this week. We've had a six-week run with prices stuck at 114 on a live basis. We actually have reports this week of 115 being paid live. Dressed prices $2 higher at 182 on the rail. Boxed beef prices higher with choice up 15 cents, 228.62. Select up 21 at 217.80. Let's check the auction barns now. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, it's a special week at Producers and Cargyle San Angelo. They've got several things going on through the weekend. Benny Cox, what's the first thing we need to be aware of? Yesterday we paired uh, about 150 pairs. The balance of the glass cows, a lot of people know those. Well, about half those cows that are seven and eight year brands, which would mean a four and a five year old cow. And then there's a lot of solid mouths on them too. Those cows weighing up there next door to 300. We've got uh, another five pair of first calf red Angus pairs, 41 uh, pregnancy test cows in another deal, and they've got 18 pairs on that group. We've got 62 cows. Uh, they came from up there around Spur. It got awful dry. They all raised the calf last year, but they pregnancy tested open, and all those cows will be kind of three and four. Or maybe a five-year-old cow or two in there. But if somebody wants to breed some, you know, breed some of those, I, they'd certainly work for a lot of people. Some people do that project. Of course, this is for the Thursday sale on March the 18th. Right. We also have that special sheep and goat sale on Saturday. I've got around a thousand consigned. Not many goats. I've got three goat deals. One of which is about 60 head of uh, open. Spanish, and they'll be good quality. I know those goats. And then we've got a couple of deals of, of boar. 
four goats, one of which about 25 that's coming from a show bunch, and then another 24 or so yearling to the four-year-old bread nannies that uh, are real high percentage for too, but lots of rams, Dorper type and St. Croix uh, mix, which we have a lot of these Dorp Croix around yep. here. And then uh, a good many females be able to show them some good ones. That Saturday starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Benny, tell everyone how to get a hold of you at Producers in Cargill, San they, Angelo. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Also, it's the same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargill.com. Maybe that's it for Walking the Pins. We come to you each day, Monday through Friday, courtesy of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've been your host, my name, Larry Marble. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mixed. About the only higher price we see from Thursday is April lean hogs. It was up 62 cents, 94.30. May hogs, however, dropped $1.07 to close at $95 even. Class 3 milk was lower. March milk down 9, 16.26. April milk down four at seventeen thirty-seven a hundredweight. USDA released its weekly export sales report Thursday morning. For cotton, it actually looked really good. A great-looking export sales report. However, that was just not enough to overcome the overall weakness in the commodity markets. We saw triple-digit losses in the cotton market. May cotton down a hundred six points, eighty-five forty-five. July cotton down 109 at 86.42. December cotton down 113, closing at 82.59. Good rains here from Texas all the way up through Kansas, Nebraska, and the Dakotas. Great rain for the wheat crop all throughout the U.S. high plains, and that pressures wheat prices. July Kansas City wheat down 13 and a half, 5.92 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down eight and a half. At 622 a bushel. The corn market dropping lower, feeling the pressure from all of the other markets. May corn down 11 and a half, 546 and a half. September corn down 10 and three quarters, 486 and a quarter. December corn down seven and a half at 468 a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas down four cents, 248. April crude oil dropped $5.81 to 58.79 a barrel. The financial markets lower, Dow Jones Industrial Average down 150 points, 32,865. The Nasdaq dropping 408 at 13,116. The S&P 500 down 59 points, 3,914. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us, and don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.